0: This paid podcast is produced by Slate Studios and ServiceNow. All uses of trademarks or brands are not meant to convey sponsorship or affiliation of this podcast.
1: Not everybody is fully up to that digital transformation, but I think we're now hitting sort of a tipping point in the automotive industry where those who are not moving fast enough and transforming themselves, they might actually die out.
0: Hey, everybody, from ServiceNow Now. This is Let's Workflow It, a podcast about the workflow revolution. I'm Katherine Minshew, founder and CEO of The Muse.
2: And I'm Alan Marks, Chief Marketing Officer of ServiceNow.
0: In every episode, we're going to pull back the curtain on how businesses today are driving transformation and growth with digital workflows. It's obvious that everything about the way we work is changing, but we're noticing some really interesting contrasts. For example, we live in an age when so much arrives at the press of a button. But at work, most of us are still putting up with clunky, outdated systems. Turns out, businesses are hungry to solve this problem.
2: So it got us thinking, who are the organizations out there who are bold enough to embrace this change? It's time to hear from them. Let's workflow it.
0: Let's workflow it. Hey, Alan. Great to talk to you today.
2: Hey, Catherine. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good. I'm really excited for our show. I think we have an incredible guest for folks today. Um, We're going to be focusing on transformation happening in the auto industry.
2: Oh, and I I can't wait to sit down with Henrik Fisker, such a a visionary figure in the automotive industry. And this episode is going to touch on three of my favorite topics, design, technology, and the future of cars.
0: I love it. I mean, in an industry where so much is changing, I think Henrik's work has really stood out. And for those of you listening who are not as familiar with Henrik Fisker, our guest today is an incredible innovator in the automotive industry. He is the chairman and CEO of car company Fisker Inc. Before that, he designed cars for BMW, for Aston Martin. Um, So we're going to have him on in a second. A little bit later, we're also going to hear from ServiceNow CEO Bill McDermott, a segment we're calling Dream Big with Bill. But first, Henrik, welcome to Let's Workflow it.
2: Hi Henrik, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, it's great to be on the show.
0: Henrik, you're this electric vehicle pioneer today, but we are very curious about the path that got you here. Can you walk us through it a bit?
1: Well, since I was a kid, you know, I always loved cars and and you know, I sketched cars in my notebook in school instead of taking, you know, notes in the class. And then when I graduated in 89, I got a job offer from BMW in Munich and worked on the very first uh, X5. Then later, I, uh, I worked on the BMW Z8 sports car that went in one of the James Bond movies. And I eventually thought, why not go out and start my own car company?
0: Do you just wake up one day and say, hey, I can do that?
1: Yeah. You know, I think after having seen Leonardo DiCaprio drive to the Oscars in the Prius, I thought, this guy can surely afford a better car than that, <laughs> so what if somebody did a really cool, environmental-friendly car? So that's kind of how we came up with the fiscal Karma in 2011, so we were out really early. We took a lot of risk with some of the technology, like the battery technology, so unfortunately, the battery supplier went bankrupt in the middle of our launch. In 2016, I decided to start a car company again, which is kind of crazy, but I thought that uh, with all the knowledge I sort of gathered, the influx of new technology and ride hailing, et cetera, that it kind of really motivated me to uh, both look at how do you get access to mobility, as well as looking at the automotive business model itself.
0: Yeah, that makes so much sense. What made you think that the car industry was ripe for transformation?
1: It's one of the only businesses, if you look at it, that really didn't transform Doing the same things they've done for a hundred years, so I really sort of got inspired to see how could we transform the business model. So that's part of what we are doing at Fisker as well. Of course, you know if we want to be able to enjoy our private transportation, we can't have these polluting cars driving around and you know killing the environment and ultimately ourselves. So our aim is to actually make the world's most sustainable vehicles, and that's something we're spending a lot of time on. Henrik. Along with sustainability,
2: you have this singular approach to vehicle design. Would you say it goes back to when you were growing up in Denmark?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I was sitting in the backseat of my father's old Saab 96. And I remember seeing this Maserati Bora it was. And I just thought it looked like a spaceship. It was so amazing. And I just felt butterflies in the stomach. And I think When I design a car now, I always try to kind of figure out to create this emotional connection. And I see a car as a sculpture, an object of desire. That's something that I really enjoy working on right from the first sketch, which I still do uh, on paper, to full-size clay models, which is an important part of development, where we actually have several sculptures that I work with and we actually sculpture the shapes of the vehicle. Now. Of course, when you have your own car company, you have a lot more freedom to do what you want and you don't have you know, all the different marketing and finance groups telling you what to do, which is why you end up sometimes with a boring appliance uh, because everything gets watered down. So that's probably one of the advantages we have at Fisker that we don't have that issue.
2: You talk about Fisker being a digital car company. What I love is you're really thinking about the workflow of the car experience, everything from how a car is designed and built to ultimately the ownership experience of a car. And at ServiceNow, we think about that as the workflow. How do you create that entire end-to-end experience
1: to create that butterfly moment? Yeah, you know, I think if you forget the product itself for a moment, I think the entire customer experience is in the middle of going through a dramatic change And It's driven by technology, and it's driven by the fact that I mentioned earlier that essentially our smartphone has become our freedom device. It's where we can call anything we need, like a car, an Uber, a Lyft. We ended up developing uh, a proprietary app where you can download the app, and you can order a car right there, and later, we're going to offer you the best insurance quote and ultimately just pay online and all those things.
0: Oh, wait, I, I want to jump in here because you're describing a pretty massive sea change. I love the idea of, for example, fractional or shared car ownership. It fits so squarely into all of the data that we're seeing about what millennial and Gen Z consumers are looking for in terms of an experience over an asset, for example. If you could just talk a little bit more about how you expect consumers to interface with the company in the future. I think that's such a powerful part of the entire paradigm shift you're proposing.
1: Largely, it's going to be through our app. Um, You know, we have a lot of people download our app, and we have about 10,000 people who made a reservation on the app. And of course, the advantage here is that you as the consumer, first of all, are working directly with the producer of the vehicle, the brand, Fisker. So that's a huge difference already. Secondly, with the flexible lease that we are providing, I mean, in the beginning, obviously, as we start, it'll be new cars, but later, let's say five years down the line, let's say you're a young college student or you just got your first job and you want a car, you can either go and look at a you know, deal a lot for a five-year-old car that may or may not have been kept well, or you can go on our app and you can browse and find your favorite color of a five-year-old Fisker that's still owned by Fisker, it has been taken care of by Fisker, which have full warranty, and you know exactly what the monthly payment is going to be, and you have no worries because all service is included. So that's a whole different experience. And on top of that, you are going to be able to give this car back at any point in time. And later, I can foresee that through the community of Fisker owners, You can go, let's say, just from L.A. to New York and you need a car for a week. There may be another person who has left New York, the car standing parked. Why not be able to use that car and pay a small fee for it? Cars today that are privately owned stand around doing nothing for about 90% of the time. So if they can be more utilized, that would really uh, change the cost of usage for these type of vehicles.
0: Yeah. I've been thinking about this personally, you know, I live in New York City, I wanted to get a car for the freedom and and joy and the the possibilities that come with it. And yet, realistically, I thought, well, if I use it two, three times a month, you know, does that make sense from a sustainability perspective, from a cost perspective? And, and so, you know, by reimagining what car ownership means, I think you're just really opening up the possibility to so many more people in a really, really neat way.
1: We're going to be able to do much more of this sharing, and it's going to become much easier, more seamless, uh, where you don't have to sign papers. You don't have to go somewhere difficult and pick things up. You know, just it's a simple thing where you can just, with your phone, you get a code, you open the car, and off you go.
2: It's terrific the way you're thinking about it, using technology to take all the friction out of the experience of having a car, the experience of ownership, the experience of mobility, you take all that friction out and you help people focus, you help consumers focus on what matters most, the experience of driving, the experience of being in a beautiful car. When you think about
1: software and technology,
2: how does that influence how you think about the design of the car itself?
1: Well, uh, so in the past, everything was manual. Today, I still do a drawing on a sketch, but then I give that to what we call digital modelers They then create a digital model really quick within two weeks, and then we mill out either a scale model or a full size. Usually, we start with a scale. Then we go in manually, do some work on that, and then we actually scan it, put it back in the computer, so it's become a combination of digital and hand, but the transformation to digital have meant that the design process, in our case, have gone from normally being about 12 months, probably down to about uh, three months, which is huge. I mean, it saves a lot of money. You get quicker to market, which means you can react quicker to trends, etc.
2: Absolutely. And it's one thing we see in our business and across our customer base, the speed, the agility, the flexibility, really the
1: ability to drive transformation much faster than ever before. Well, we, we also have another advantage with the digital transformation, and that is Right now, for instance, we have a, a unique business relationship with a large supplier called MagNA,' it's the world's third largest supplier. They have offices around the world China, Europe, uh, Canada. So right now, when we work digitally, when we construct the vehicle, we do that digitally now. Everything is done, first digitally before you even build prototypes. And when we're done working in the end of the day, we ship this data over to Europe, for instance. They work on it during the night. So when we wake up in the morning, we have some new information and things answered. And that really means you're almost doubling the work you can do in a 24-hour period that you normally wouldn't really be able to do. So there is huge advantages that we are seeing with the entire industry going digital.
2: Henrik, I love you're rethinking the whole value chain, the supply chain, the whole ecosystem of automotive manufacturing and ownership, which again is workflow and what we see happening with digital transformation and companies and industries all over the world. Can you talk more about as you're building your company and as you're moving ahead with production of the ocean, how you're thinking about that? And are
1: you finding a lot of resistance? I mean, within Fisker, everybody's embracing it, but we obviously are working with a ton of suppliers and specifically in the automotive industry is, you know, an old stale industry and people are, you know, following certain processes they've done forever. So it's been hard to tell people we don't really need three months to decide on the supplier. We can do it in three weeks. So we are slowly transforming some of our partners and their mindsets, but it's not an easy task. Uh, also, not everybody is fully up to that digital transformation, but I think we're now hitting sort of a tipping point in the automotive industry where those who are not moving fast enough and transforming themselves, they might actually die out. And I think it's become evident.
2: Can you talk a little bit about the way
1: most of the automotive industry
2: has traditionally worked and still works today?
1: Yes, yeah, so the automotive industry today is still very vertically integrated. They own their factories, uh, You know, they do a lot of work in-house, and then they ship the vehicles to a dealer, and then the dealer sells it, and they do their own warehousing, et cetera. The way we have set it up is we have a unique business deal with Magna, which is the world's third largest automotive supplier. They will manufacture our vehicles for us. They'll deliver the car on time and the quality we expect. Then secondly, we have signed an initial deal with Cox Automotive, where they do warehousing, distribution, service for us, and it kind of allows us to, out of the gate, have a full, complete service network all over the U.S., and we take the car, we bring it to service, and we bring it back to you so you don't have to worry about it. So that's really the fundamental new business model where we sort of jump directly in uh, to have everything set up that we need without having to build it from scratch.
0: We've been talking about these different forms of innovation, and I know within Fisker, you have so many different types of talent on your team, designers, engineers, uh, people who need to be able to coordinate across different functions. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you apply some of the, the same ideas around innovation to how your team works together?
1: Yeah, you know, so the employee experience, of course, is fully digital already, where we work between different continents all digitally when we develop our vehicles. We, we took a bit of risk in the sense that, of course, we needed quite a few people with industry experience that knows how to build a car, engineer a car, but we also brought in some leadership from outside the automotive industry and really from the tech industry. So we have our head of user interface from Microsoft, our head of program sort of coordination is from Amazon, so people who have actually never made a car before or have never been in the auto industry but really come from either the tech industry like Microsoft or Amazon, which obviously is fully digital organized um, and have a unique workflow. So I think bringing people in with different backgrounds and different thought processes is very good because it kind of upsets a bit uh, that typical This is how we always did it kind of thing. And it kind of brings some new ideas in and it challenges people. So I think that's really important. And we actually now moving into the next phase where we are starting to hire even more uh, younger people with no car experience purely from the high tech industry, because we want more of that almost fresh air coming blowing in from beneath.
0: Well,
2: and you're doing this in COVID and a pandemic.
0: It's interesting, too, because a lot of what I think COVID has done, at least in, in many industries, is it sort of collapsed the boundaries between the personal and the professional. Um, you know, we're working from living room tables or we have interruptions from kids or pets or spouses. And in some ways, I think it is sort of accelerating uh, this recentering of the human individual in the workplace.
1: You know, it's been an incredible experience, a slightly crazy experience. Uh, I probably hired about 80 people purely on Zoom. And in one hand, when I think about it, in most of the cases, I probably spend more time interviewing than I normally would have done. In the past, we may have ended up hiring people that I may not have met just because I was on a business trip or something. It is a bit of an odd experience, but I think it's also taught us that we are able to adapt and work together in ways that we never thought was possible. And in certain areas, we have actually seen efficiencies go up. I mean, in the past, it was normal. Uh, If you had a meeting in New York, you would get on a plane from LA, and you will fly there, and you'll go back. I mean, you lose two days just on flying. And now we realize, you know what? I could do that meeting on Zoom. We have learned how, how to deal with it and make it work. It's so true. And it's another way to think about speed and agility and really scaling rapidly and creating competitive advantage. And I think once we go back into the offices and all that, you're going to see a lot more flexibility, a lot more Zoom meetings, maybe even more people working from home in certain areas. I mean, we are in a business where it's hard to work from home constantly because we do end up building physical products. But You know, we don't have to travel to Europe every time we need a meeting. Uh, And those are the type of things that will change. I agree. I
2: I can't wait to start driving again. Need to get behind the wheel of the car and go somewhere. I know. (laughs) I know. Do you think younger drivers share our enthusiasm?
1: Yeah. You know, I think during COVID, we have seen a rise in young people wanting to get cars again, because it now gives them that freedom during difficult circumstances like COVID, where they can feel safe in their own environment but does it mean they want to borrow $50,000 and buy a car maybe not so we created a flexible lease where you can lease our vehicle and give it back any time so it gives you that sort of freedom where you can get access to mobility but you're not on the hook for a 3-year lease or a 7-year $50,000 loan and i think we're going to see that type of experience even expanding and how soon do you see that shift happening i could see once we kind of leave the whole covid thing behind us that you might travel to another country and you might via the app borrow somebody else's car that's not in use that happens to also be a fisker so you actually can transfer all the data all your favorite songs your seat settings everything can be transferred into that vehicle
2: and henrik as you're thinking about all of these shifts you have a real commitment to sustainability in your processes and that's something the fashion industry has been successfully doing Can you tell us about that connection?
1: Yeah, you know, I read a few years ago that I think it was Stella McCartney that started to go fully vegan with all of her fashion lines, backs, etc. And, you know, the fashion industry, to a certain extent, have a little easier time using new materials because they don't necessarily have to be as durability tested as a car where, you know, you sit in the car seat for several hours a day and the kids are jumping around, spilling ice cream and and it has to be fireproof and all that type of stuff. So, I kind of started to put my team into really researching how we could find more sustainable materials. And we found a supplier that could do carpets that are made from recycled plastic bottles from the ocean and recycled fishing nets from the ocean. Uh, we found a supplier that, are, you know, using certain waste rubber. We're right now looking at recycled leather actually uh, to see how we can use that. So, I think there's a huge opportunity out there that the car industry really haven't taken advantage of yet because it's hard work to do it and part of our message is hey our aim is to build the world's most sustainable car and and that's an ongoing effort
2: well Henrik, I mean, this has been such a great conversation and, and before we wrap up today you know at ServiceNow, we're a very purpose-driven company as you know you know we make the world of work work better for people and that's what drives us and everything you've talked about today, you have such a powerful vision and sense of purpose yourself. So, take us out three, four, five years. You know what does success look like down the road?
1: You know, if I could get a lot of specifically young people into a sustainable vehicle, that would be amazing. And do it, you know, using digital tools, uh, get people more productive via these tools. And I think that's something which I would like to personally do is transform the car industry and create the first fully digital car company. So that's what excites me. And of course, it still excites me to, to design the vehicles. And I'm in the middle of designing our two next vehicles, which I'm really excited about. So be prepared for something radical to come from Fisker. Oh, well, we can't wait. Cannot wait. And you're off to such a, a great
2: start. I love how you're work in an industry and driving transformation and workflowing mobility.
0: Yeah, really fantastic to get a glimpse into a little bit more of of the future as you see it. I'm, for one, I'm very excited. So thank you again for joining us.
1: It was a lot of fun. Thank you, Catherine. Thank you, Alan. It's great to be on the show. Thank you, Henrik.
2: And to wrap up today, now it's time for our final segment, Dream Big with ServiceNow CEO, Bill McDermott. Bill,
3: great to have you here. Alan, really wonderful to be with you. Thanks for having me today.
2: So, Bill, we had such a terrific conversation with Henrik. You know, part of what he's looking at is using technology to create a whole new model, a whole new paradigm of car ownership. And I I know that's something that's been very intriguing to you as you think about that in the context of ServiceNow and the workflow revolution. Can you tell us more about your perspective of Henrik and what he's trying to achieve?
3: Absolutely, Alan. I think, first of all, Henrik is one of the few guys that have ever brought an electric vehicle to the market in the first place. And now, you know, he has once again reinvented his vision, and I'm kind of excited about his first product. Incidentally, uh, it's called the Ocean. If the car is what I expect it will be, it addresses the masses, and the buying experience is second to none. Uh, Fisker could be a huge sensation in the global economy.
2: And I know, Bill, in your role, you see this around the world of our customers and CEOs you talk with using technology to really invent new business models, invent digital
3: business. Talk more about that. Well, there are really three huge secular tailwinds going on right now. Obviously, digital transformation, um, cloud computing, the ease of consumption in a cloud model is essential. Whether you're ordering a vehicle or software, it has to be cloud simple. And then finally, there's this idea on business model innovation around white space. And if you're thinking about growth, and I believe every CEO is, white space will deliver 25% of the growth that's possible in almost any business model over the next three years. So if you're not thinking about doing something that you're currently uninitiated in and pouring some very precious r d in an idea then probably three years from now you're going to look back at this moment and say i i didn't go for the fences and i missed a market because i wasn't seeing into the future you know at ServiceNow we have a philosophy we want to build products the world doesn't know it needs yet but once it gets them it won't know how it ever lived without them sustainability seems to be emerging
2: as a new currency of business Henrik talked about uh, the inspiration he gets from the fashion industry regarding sustainability. As you talk to C-suite leaders around the world, is that something that you're seeing top of mind for them?
3: Absolutely, Alan. You know, everybody recognizes that business and government really have to come together on a much more sustainable platform for the earth and also their businesses. Uh, Everybody is making impact commitments now on when they will achieve uh, zero carbon carbon footprint. And now it's a question of when, not whether you will or you won't. And of course, you know, more and more companies that govern themselves this way will be valued differently than companies that don't.
2: And Bill, over the past year, you know, we've certainly seen um, significant social issues emerge about the need to drive racial equality and address some of the deep social issues in society and the role that business has to play in that. And I know at ServiceNow, you're leading an aggressive plan to address this. Can you talk about what ServiceNow is doing?
3: We really have to be a leader in the whole movement of fairness and opportunity in the enterprise, especially in the tech industry. um, The record hasn't been very good. So we have really rethought everything from the way we structure our board of directors to our management team to all the personnel in the company, to really rethink the whole recruiting process and how you bring people into the company because to get that uh, right in a growth company gives you immense opportunities over the next several years to have the most balanced, inclusive workforce in the business. You also have to think about the training and development of the folks that you already have in the company. So, If you have incredibly high retention rates and you train people and prepare them for the next rung on the ladder you really can grow from within with your own personnel which is really a key part of this pay fairness is another one you know everybody should be paid fairly for the job done you should measure that you should report out on that there should be total transparency you have to lobby for good you know you have to think about new ways where you can help you know for example we set up the 100 million fund in terms of investing in black communities to give African American entrepreneurs, in particular, the opportunity to start businesses, hire people, and create prosperous futures for their constituents, which to me is super, super important. And, you know, finally, it's the ecosystem effect, you know, how we build partnerships going forward and who we choose to do business with that shares the value set that we have for this incredibly important issue.
2: Bill, it's always inspiring to dream big with you. Thanks for the time. Thank you very much,
3: Alan. Here's the big dreams and even greater accomplishments.
0: Join us next time as we uncover how business leaders are innovating to make work work better. Let's Workflow It together. Let's Workflow It is a production of ServiceNow and Slate Studios. You can find out more about all of our guests and what we're covering this season at slate.com slash let's workflow it.